Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or if there are things going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or discuss, get some biblical advice on or some practical pastoral advice. We'd love to talk with you and we'd love to pray for you if you have prayer requests. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that number is 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are tuning in here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM as well as those who are listening on our syndicated stations on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and also those who are tuning in on Truth FM in Tennessee and into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program, wherever you're tuning in from today. And um, just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast, the area around Tennessee on uh, Truth FM and Hope FM, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in and then you'll be able to uh, tune in the following week and listen to yourself uh, there. And that's how that works. But for those of you listening in Colorado and Wyoming here on Grace FM, you're hearing the show live today. Uh, The date is January 4th for the live program. And we are back live. We were about seven days of uh, having a break for people in the studio and the station to uh, have some time off for Christmas and the New Year holiday. But this week, uh, since Wednesday, we are back live. So give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, pray for you, answer some of your questions. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Just a reminder that you can also tune in uh, via the mobile app anytime. If you have that mobile app, uh, then you can just click and uh, you can listen over the uh, the air there, uh, I guess over the internet uh, um, through your app. And so if you don't have that app, just go to your app store and type in Grace FM in the search bar and it should come right up and you can uh, download that and listen to the show live wherever you are at in the world. And you can also listen in your browser. So you can just open up your browser either on your phone or your tablet or your laptop and you can just go to gracefm.com and click listen now. And you can tune in right there and listen live to this program and all the other programs on Grace FM if you'd like to do that. I am your host every Monday here on Calvary Live, but today is not Monday. Today is Friday, and I'm filling in for Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary down in Colorado Springs. He is off this week, so I am filling in for him. Just a few words about myself. Again, my name is Pastor Nick Cady. I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado, uh, where we love Jesus, we love to study the Word of God, and we would love to have you come and visit us and uh, worship with us, and be part of what God's doing at Whitefields. If you are in 
Longmont, Colorado, or if you are in any of the surrounding towns here, whether it's Berthoud or Mead or the Carbon Valley with Frederick, Firestone, and Decono, or if you're in Erie, Lafayette, Niwot, if you're in North Boulder or Lyons, we would love to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Uh, if you're in Longmont, of course, we'd love to have you as well. Our address is 700 Longs Peak Avenue, so our services are 10 a.m., and we meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue here in downtown Longmont. So we're just one block west of Main on uh, Longs Peak Avenue at the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So it's the St. Vrain Memorial Building. It's kind of a historical and central building here for the city of Longmont. It's where all the parades uh, start from and is the park right there in front of the building and we're right on the edge of Roosevelt Park which is the city park here in Longmont. So we're right in the heart of the city and we would love for you to come and worship with us and be part of what God's doing. We have a great children's ministry and great worship ministry. Uh, we also have community groups and a school of ministry. So if you're looking, maybe you're like uh, one of these people who I can definitely relate to who says, hey, I'd love to go a little bit deeper in my study, um, but I don't have time to take off years and go to Bible college. I just like to take some classes in the evening. That's the kind of thing that we do with our school of ministry, and that's starting up in just two weeks from now. So if you're in even the Denver metro area or up into Fort Collins and you just want to take a class on a weeknight, go to our website, check it out. We've got a couple classes that are going to be starting in two weeks, and they're weekday classes. They're about an hour and a half long, and they last for a duration of about six weeks. We're doing one on apologetics. We're doing one on Christ and culture. We're doing one on worship ministry, and um, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, that's open to anybody, even those outside of our church. So for all that stuff, directions, information, stuff going on in our church, check out our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Dot com, or you can always check us out uh, on social media. We're on all the major platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Check us out, Whitefields Community Church, or our website, whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear our show that airs every weekday here on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If for some reason you're not in church, tune into Grace FM. You can listen to those messages on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So we've got full lines right now. Let's go to our first caller, John, in Denver, Colorado. Hi, John. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, my question is, um, how do I, uh, well, first of all, me and my wife are going to get a goodie package for, you know, for uh, just a random homeless person, not considering, you know, what his situation is, and, you know, ask if we could, you know, pray for him. How do how do I go about if he rejects the prayer? Well, you know, I think... He's not a religious person. Yeah. You know, that's one of the great things that we have to just deal with, is that whether it's praying for somebody or doing anything for somebody, I mean, uh, it's an offer that they can refuse. And so uh, I don't think that you should worry about whether he refuses it or not. I think that you should obey where the Holy Spirit is leading you and what he's leading you to do. So if God is leading you to bless somebody and offer to pray for them, then you should absolutely do it. And what that person does with that offer is up to them. So, yeah, okay. and, you, and you can still pray for them, even if they don't want you to pray for them out loud or on the spot. You can say, hey, well, you know, you know, he can't really do anything about you going home and praying for him or praying yeah, for him in the exactly, car, yeah, right? Exactly. 
Okay. I, and I was not going to, you know, my intentions were not to get angry or get combative or anything, but it was just, is there, should I pressure, should I put the pressure on them? And, you know, Jesus, Jesus does love you. And no matter who you are, just try to keep on, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm kind of shy to the situation. Yeah. But I but, don't know, but, but just, yeah, the, my, my, my deed alone, I think, is going to make me feel bright and doing something in the way of God. Yeah, yeah, John, I would encourage you in that way as well. So um, you can only do what you can do, right? You can't uh, control his I love reaction. I as well as Jesus does, too. You know, I mean, even if you don't want to hear it, somebody does. Yeah. Well, so, John, God bless you. Thanks for calling in, and uh, let me pray for you as you reach out to this person. Heavenly Father, I pray for John and his wife as they reach out to this uh, person who's in need. And, uh, Lord, I pray that truly this person would be receptive, maybe even be moved by the fact that John is being uh, persistent and pursuing him and wanting to bless him and, and really wanting to pray for him as well. Lord, I pray that whatever is keeping him back from even receiving that prayer and that help, Lord, that you would break through those walls and that John would be able to reach out to this person in your name and really shine your light. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless Amen. you, John. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts today. The number to call, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to talk with you and pray for you. Let's go to Gabriel in North Glen, Colorado. Hi, Gabriel. Welcome program. My, I had a, a question and a prayer request. Uh, my question was on uh, wisdom. I, mm-hmm. I don't know the uh, verse exactly, but I had heard somewhere in the Bible it says, "Ask the Lord for wisdom, um, and He will give it to you." And maybe it's just something that's like lost in the translation or something. But I always understood wisdom different from knowledge, as in knowledge is okay, you know what to do in any in a certain situation, but wisdom is your ability to act on it or whether or not you act on it. So in asking God for wisdom, is that kind of like not, not him taking away free will, but kind of enacting for you a little bit? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, so let's, uh, let's look at all these things that you've mentioned, and we'll talk about it. So here's uh, James chapter 1. Is actually the verse that you're speaking of is found in James chapter 1 and verse 5, where it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not doubting. So wisdom, I, I've heard it put this way, that... Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is not putting tomato in a fruit salad, right? So it's one thing to know something. Wisdom is what you do with that knowledge that you have. Um, you know, sometimes uh, it's, it's knowing what to do in a particular situation. And I think that's where wisdom is really useful. So I, I wasn't sure about the second part of your question. I think it sounded like you were saying, um, if God gives us wisdom, is that somehow him overriding our our free will? Is that along the lines of what you were asking? Yeah, sort of. If, if wisdom is, I guess that, that example kind of clarifies it, because you said that uh, 
it's also knowing not to put a tomato in fruit salad. So it's still more along the lines of knowing just maybe a deeper understanding. Yeah, I'd say it's knowing what to do in the particular situation is a form of wisdom. Okay. It's a really kind of the practical outworking of knowledge. And when is it appropriate to do one thing and when is it appropriate to do another thing? And I'll tell you one of the reasons why this is so important biblically and for us practically in a Christian life is because sometimes the Bible gives us principles which uh, I would say they overlap, not contradict. In, in, let me give you an example. So there's a time when people come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, hey Jesus, you know, these uh, people are requiring us to pay a temple tax. And what do you think about that? Like, should, should the children of God be required to pay this temple tax? And Jesus says, well, you know what? For the sake of not creating an uproar unnecessarily, let's just pay the tax. And then he has them, you know, go get the money in a miraculous way, and they end up paying this tax. And, and that's interesting because Jesus is essentially saying, hey, let's make sure that we, we choose our battles, right? But there's another time where Jesus goes into the temple courts right after he enters the city of Jerusalem on a donkey in the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. And he goes into the temple court and he sees that they're basically using the, uh, the temple grounds to rip people off. And they're selling them these animals which have been pre-approved for sacrifice, but they're selling them at, at exorbitant rates that make people get rich and hurt the people who've come to sacrifice to God. And Jesus responds, I think, you know, one account is the one that really sticks out to me. It says that he started weaving a cord into a whip, right? That's not something that you do in a flash, right? Like it's not something you do just as an immediate reaction. That takes some premeditation and some thought because as you're weaving it, it takes time. And so there's Jesus, and on the one hand, he says, hey, let's not make a big deal over this temple tax, you know, something regarding the temple and money, which Jesus says is not something that they, sh they have to do. And, uh, but yet he says, let's just do it because we don't need to cause an uproar over this. But another time he goes in and he sees something also regarding money and the temple, and he, you know, he weaves a whip and starts scaring people with this whip and flipping over their tables and spreading all their money all over the ground. And so the the point is this. We we are faced with a situation there where we say, well, could we, should we, is this a time when we could, uh, when we should be flipping over tables and protesting something that's wrong? Or is this a time where we just say, you know what, I'm just going to pay the tax and, uh, and let it be. And you say, well, it seems that both of those principles are biblical. They can both be found in the Bible, and Jesus taught both of them. And the question is, in a particular instance, is this a time for us to flip over tables, or is it a time for us to just pay the temple tax so we don't create an uproar unnecessarily? And to answer that question, we need not just knowledge, but we need wisdom. And I heard one guy put it this way, and I thought it was really, really astute. What he said was, you know, God, if God wanted to give us um, just a manual, then he could have, you know, a manual on, on everything that we'll ever need to know. He could have done that, right? He could have given us a manual. And if you have a problem with marriage, you could have turned to the chapter on marriage and it'll tell you everything you need to know about marriage. But that's not how God did it. Instead, he gave us a book full of stories and principles 
And sometimes those principles overlap with each other so that what happens is that when we're faced with a particular situation, we have to come to God and it's as if God would say, here are the principles, now see me for the details. And what that does essentially is it keeps us dependent on the Holy Spirit. And so whatever situation we're in, we have to follow that principle there in James 5, which says, I need to know what is the appropriate response in this particular situation. And so I need the Holy Spirit to reveal that to me. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. I guess then, then maybe my my prayer request would sound silly. I um, I was kind of thinking along the lines, well, you know, wisdom is the way I had described it before. Thinking, you know, if I pray to God, ask for wisdom, then uh, yeah, I'm I'm answering this in a roundabout way, but um. I was thinking more along the lines, like, I want God to kind of intervene for me. Not that I'm this habitual sinner all the time, but there are a lot of times where it's like, I I know I shouldn't have done that, or maybe I even, I know I shouldn't be doing this. And it's it's like, I want a power stronger than my own, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. It, it makes a ton of sense. Well, let me pray for you in that way, then, because that's a, that's a great desire and uh and the good news is that god wants to meet that that request so let's pray for you heavenly father i pray for gabriel and i just uh thank you for his his heart and his desire to have the ability to overcome these things which we can see are your will to overcome so lord i pray for you to give him strength in the various trials and temptations that he faces lord i pray that by the power of your spirit and uh and truly by the might of your strength that you would give him the power to do that and uh it recalls lord i recall uh ephesians 6 where it says be strong in the power of his might and that is truly what we want be to be strong in in you lord and in the strength of your might because our might is just insufficient and so i pray for gabriel lord that he would be strong he would experience the strength of your might in his life as he faces different things and i also pray lord that you would give him wisdom would you give him the knowledge of what to do in every particular situation that he faces but give him the strength to stand up under any and every trial and temptation we pray in jesus name amen awesome thank you so much you bet god bless you all right god bless you you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. We would love to talk with you and pray for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line 720 336 0897. We've got two open lines right now, so it's a good time to call in. But let's go to Michael in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it very much. Oh, thanks for calling in. What's going on? Well, after um, 25 years of being with my wife, 23 years of marriage, she's decided she wants a divorce. Um, which I'm having a real hard time struggling with. I read my Bible. Um, I write my journal. I have counselors. I've talked to ministers, therapists. Um, the 
reasoning for it is just announced to me. I don't understand it. There isn't any extramarital things. There's no anything like this, you know, drug abuse, alcoholism. Um, it's that she has fallen out of love with me. Um, I still feel I've been trying for months and months, actually a year, to keep my family together. I have a 20-year-old, 20, 20 be 21 in two months, disabled, severely disabled son. Mm-hmm. And a 17-year-old daughter, um, part of the biggest dilemma I'm having is that to give my wife what she wants, which is this divorce, I won't be able to see my son every day when I come home. Uh, she can tell me he's doing well and having a good day. He can tell, you know, he just can't talk well, um, but, you know, a text or something that he's okay. But until I see him every night, it's hard. I'm really struggling with this. I've done everything I can. Um, it's when, you know, she doesn't want my love. She doesn't want my affection. She doesn't want my attention. Uh, she won't talk about it. She just tells me she needs time. Um, I go to my Bible every night and, um, all day pray and think. And I know that, you know, God has put me kind of on a trial here, as it says, and wouldn't put me through it if I couldn't handle it for one. And that there's not something better on the other side, um, of this problem. But I'm starting to kind of lose, um, not faith, but starting to lose, I don't know what the word is, um, not patience, but just strength Mm -hmm. in trying to do everything I can to save this and keep it together. And I don't know how to continue. You know, it's hard for me to just keep believing that she's going to come around. And a sign to me is what I'm looking for from God, you know, something just anything to tell me it's going to work out and be okay. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we, the Bible doesn't give us is these, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'm telling you is that I don't know that I can promise you that, uh, your marriage is going to be saved. Now I hope, I hope that it will be, and maybe I can give you a couple pieces of advice that can help towards that. We'll see. But, um, but here's the thing I can promise you is that even if, the very worst happens, you are going to be okay in the Lord. And that that is really what I want you to know before I tell you anything else. So the guarantee is that he will never leave you or forsake you no matter what happens. Even if the waters rise, even if you have to walk through fire, he is going to be with you. And the hope that you have will not be taken away because of the immediate circumstances that you're facing, no matter how difficult they are. And so um, having said that, and I really want you to rest in that, but let's talk about your circumstances then. Now, from a biblical perspective, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where it talks about um, what was going on in that church at that time, which was that Christians, people were becoming Christians, and as a result of that, their spouses were leaving them or abandoning them or divorcing them. And he says there in one point, you know, he says he doesn't recommend that anyone who becomes a Christian should divorce their spouse because their spouse, let's say their spouse isn't a Christian and they become a Christian and they're like, hey, should I divorce my spouse and get married to somebody who is? And Paul says, no, don't do that. But then he says this, well, what if I became a Christian and I am a Christian and my wife or husband wants to leave me? And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 7.15, if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. 
In such a case, the brother or sister is not bound to them. God has called you to peace. Now, here's the other, here's the other thing. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to save your marriage. It just means this, that if they're trying to leave you, then, you know, sometimes you have to let them go because there's only so much that you can do as, as you've kind of articulated yourself that you've tried several things. Uh, she just wants to leave. Now, the other thing is, it sounds like to me, I guess one thing I wanted to clarify is it sounds like, um, is she asking you to leave or is she asking to leave and take your son with her? Well, it's a situation that my wife is uh, 24-7 medical care for my son. She's a CNA mm -hmm. and has always taken care of him. Um, I, I, would, I wouldn't argue that at all whatsoever. That's not a... That's not even a question, you know, gotcha. on, what, on that care. Um, I do believe, and we, and we both believe, that they gave us my son. Uh, God gave us my son for a special reason, just mm -hmm. to the two of us, as a gift that we could handle this situation with his medical situation. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very hard that I'm having a hard time believing that this end result, should it happen, is not going to affect him. And I yeah. do believe it will. And that's the pain that I suffer is that what it's going to do to my kids. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I think you're right. I think it will affect him too. Um, now, I guess my last question before I just pray for you would just be to ask you, have you talked to your wife about getting into some kind of counseling, Christian counseling, yeah. marital counseling? Yes. yes. Now, this is interesting. I've been going for almost eight months to several counselors and therapists in the beginning of this it was she wasn't interested at all two months ago when we sat down it'll be two months on sunday <laughs> actually um she did say that she wouldn't be opposed to counseling so i don't know what changed the only difference is is in this last two months it's been never brought up again and when i bring it up again it's it's not discussed at all i've tried um i was really excited that she was even open to the idea I, I think it would help. I do believe my wife's got some, you know, things she needs to deal with within herself before we can be jealous as a family. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what to do other than she said she needs time to do things her way. Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, unfortunately, and again, this might not be something that you can deal with directly. I think this is a just a huge misnomer and lie in our culture. Two, two specific things that I've heard you say so far. Uh, coming from her, and of course, you know, I, I'm only hearing your uh, side of it. But, um, but the first one is this: that that people just fall in and out of love, and that if you fall out of love, then there's nothing you can do about it, and you should just give up and move on, and hopefully you'll fall in love with somebody else. As if love is this thing that we have absolutely no control over, and um, and I just don't believe that's true. I don't believe that's biblical. I don't even think that uh, holds up under uh, logical scrutiny. So I think that's the first one, is that the uh, Bible makes it very clear. Love is a choice. It's an action. It's something that God commands us to do, and God isn't going to command us to do something we're incapable of doing. The other one is this idea that uh, sometimes people are like, hey, I just need some time to, f to discover myself and find out myself. Uh, generally, that's not the case, because, and here's why. Because so much of who you are, if you are married, is tied up in the fact that you are married. That is part of who you are. So to try and discover yourself apart from your partner is um, is a flawed basis from the very beginning. Who you are is uh, tied up in that relationship. It's especially if you've been married for twenty three years, 
And so this idea of finding yourself apart from your spouse is uh, very unwise and, uh, and I don't think helpful. So that would be my, my word to her. I'm not sure that she's at a place to receive it right now. I, I would just encourage you, and i got to let you go in just a second because we're going to break, but my advice to you would be um, fight for your marriage. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, go to counseling as much as you, as you can and, and f- keep fighting for her to join you in counseling and tell her that you're not ready to give up on this family or this marriage and that you're willing to do whatever it takes. And, uh, you know, I think there's something about that that hopefully she will see and hopefully you'll win her heart. And uh, I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to have to do it after the break. Uh, we're going to break right now. Thank you, Michael. I'm going to let you go, but I'll pray for you on the other side. Uh, God bless Thank you. you so and uh, I hope that your marriage uh, is healed. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. We have all open lines. Give us a call. We'll get you on after the break. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Looks like we have a one call coming in right now and two open lines, so we'd love to hear from you. Now's a great time to call in. Again, the number 303-690-3000. And while we're waiting for those calls to come in, let me just take the opportunity to tell you about what's going on at our church um, here in Longmont, some good stuff. This past Sunday, we wrapped up um, our our Advent series, which is our series for December, and it was called Count It All Joy, in which we were talking about the unique source of um, Christian joy and, uh, and how that works together with uh, what makes the Christian perspective on joy totally unique amongst other uh, ways that people think about joy, even many people who are Christians, how many of us think about the idea of joy and what the Bible says about joy and how you can actually have joy even in the midst of great difficulty. You know, we talked about this idea that James says in chapter 1 of James, count it all joy when various trials come upon you. And that just seems so odd and so strange that we could count it joy that uh, difficulty comes into our lives. So, uh, how does that work? We just talked about that for uh, the last five weeks and Christmas Eve. We talked about this idea of Christian joy. Where does it come from? What is it rooted in? And so, uh, you know, you can check that out and all of our uh, all of our other teachings on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. This coming Sunday, we're starting a new series that I'm really looking forward to. It's called Remember the Prophets. And in James chapter 5, Verse 10, James says, Remember the prophets and consider their examples of patient uh, patient endurance in the midst of suffering. And so what James is encouraging us to do is look at not just the prophecies that the prophets, the Old Testament prophets preached and wrote, but also look at their lives and consider who they were and what we can learn from them. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next uh, about eight weeks. We're going to take a different prophet each week 
and we're going to be get, we're going through it chronologically and since we've already taught through Jonah he's really the first one that we would look at as far as what was what's called the writing prophets uh chronologically but we're going to start with Amos who comes after uh Jonah and Amos was a, just an interesting guy you know in a time when there were professional prophets there's that we know the prophet school in the time of Elijah and Elisha Amos was a shepherd and a fig picker from out in the middle of nowhere and uh, kind of like John the Baptist, you know, uh, John the Baptist wearing camel skin with bug bug legs stuck in his teeth, comes preaching a message. And Amos was kind of a lot like John the Baptist, just a rugged guy from the desert. And he came to high society in the north of Israel during a time of prosperity when people thought that because they were prosperous and everything was going well, because they were powerful militarily and prosperous and even active religiously that God was happy with them. But God says, no, the way that you're treating other people is a reflection of where your heart is at. And he uh, gave Amos a message to call those people to repentance. And so really looking forward to preaching on Amos this coming Sunday. And then after that, we're going to be looking at Hosea. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do Hosea in one week, but might, might have to take two for that one. But we'll be working our way through some of the prophets and looking at their lives in our series called Remember the Prophets. So that's coming up at our church. Really looking forward to that. Love to have you join us if you're in Longmont or the surrounding area. Come visit us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. You can find all the information you need on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our next caller. We've got Scott in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the program. How are you? Doing great. Um, I got a, My question is um, about the Sabbath. Okay. Um, my wife, she's been a Christian for quite a while. Um, I am new into the Christianity, and um, she talks about the Sabbath and how we're not to do um, work, work, work with our hands, the day of rest. Okay. And then the other question I have, too, is that she's been struggling with, she loves to hold to the Sabbath, but um, as the days of the week, they start as Sunday through Saturday, which is the seventh day. Mm -hmm. So she uses Saturday as the Sabbath that she struggles with with it because in the church they consider the Sunday is the Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, I guess, I don't want to say, I, I guess I'd call it a lack of information, lack of knowledge generally about with uh, Christians about what the Sabbath is about. I found this myself, and I remember actually learning this myself. I, I remember I was, a, I was 18 years old and I moved as a missionary to Hungary and uh, I remember sitting in the church office there in Hungary, and I was talking uh, to one of the guys, and I was reading through Hebrews chapter 4, and I turned to the assistant pastor in the church that I was serving, and I asked him, hey, does Hebrews chapter 4 mean that we have to keep the Sabbath? And he's like, no. Do you, do you not understand what that's saying? Hebrews chapter 4 is telling us something very incredible and very great about the Sabbath that totally changes the way we think about it. And I'll tell you what that is, and then I'll explain it. So what he explained to me, and I, I, and my, it's like my eyes were open to see it all very clearly, is that what Hebrews chapter 4 is telling us is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. That all of the Old Testament things were pictures and foreshadowings. Shadows is what first, or sorry, is what Colossians calls them. But the substance, Colossians says, is in Christ. And that applies to the Sabbath as well. The Sabbath is a picture of Christ. The substance is in Christ. And so we don't 
hold on to the shadow anymore, but we now hold on to the substance, which means that as Christians, we do not have to hold on to the Sabbath as a practice that we must keep because Jesus has fully kept the Sabbath for us. Now, at the same time, that doesn't mean that keeping the Sabbath isn't also a good principle. Okay, so I'll explain those things very quickly to you. Um, as far as the ordering of the days of the week, in the Jewish mind, the ordering of the days of the week begin with uh, the seventh day being the Sabbath. And of course, that comes from creation, right? That on the seventh day, God rested. And then one of the commandments tells us that just as God rested on the seventh day, we too should do all of our work for six days and rest on the seventh. Now, just a little bit of context uh, in that is that remember who that was given to and when it was given. That was given at a time when people didn't have such a thing as a work week, right? It was like a work life. You're going to work for the rest of your life and never have a day off. And then God comes in with his Ten Commandments and says, I'm going to require you guys to take a day off every week. Do you think those people were like, oh, God is so repressive and oppressive. He's such a bummer. Not at all. They were like, what, a day off? I've never even heard of that, but it sounds amazing, right? Like they were happy. And it wasn't like an oppressive thing. That's why That's why when you get to the New Testament, Jesus talks about being Lord of the Sabbath. And he says, hey, you know, if your animal falls into a pit on a on a Sabbath, are you really just going to let that animal suffer? And he says, should I, people got mad at him for healing somebody on the Sabbath because he said that, the, you know, that he was doing work by healing somebody. And she just said, hey, isn't the point of the Sabbath to bring restoration, not pain? And, and he said, that is why the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, we are not made to be slaves to the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to be a blessing. And so it's one of these things where it's like if we begin to think, okay, well, this is a rule that I've got to keep, and these things, we're missing the point of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to be a blessing that lifts a burden off of our shoulders. It also reorients our lives, right? It keeps us from being people who overwork and find our justification for our lives in the amount of work that we do and in trying to strive and succeed. Okay, here's another point on the Sabbath is that yeah, you're right. Now, here's the thing that I think a lot of people miss is that they think that Christianity came along and Christians were just like, well, now we're going to celebrate the Sunday as the Sabbath. That is not true. The Christians do not think of Sunday as the new Sabbath for Christians. I want to make that very clear. Christians do not view Sunday as the Sabbath. Christians view Jesus as the Sabbath. Okay? And so what, what that means is that um, it isn't that we supplanted uh, Saturday with Sunday. Here's what happened in the early Christian church. Uh, remember, Roman Empire, here's what's going on. Again, no days off. And so what happened is that for the very first few hundred years, almost 400 years of Christianity, uh, like 380 uh, years of Christianity, here's what the Christians did in the the Roman Empire. They worked every day, and in, in the Jewish areas, sometimes they would have Saturday off because of the Sabbath. But in general, they worked every day. And then on Sunday mornings, they would gather early in the morning around the time that the sun rose. And they would gather for uh, singing songs, praying, and taking communion together. Um, and then they would go to work all day. Sometimes, you know, we're talking 12, 16-hour days. Then they would re reconvene in the evenings 
for preaching, like the apostles' teaching, studying the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then sometimes they would have an agape meal at that time as well, kind of just a, you know, the, they would share a meal together. This is what, you can actually see this in the book of Acts. Like, you know that time when Paul goes to Ephesus and he preaches this sermon in the evening and this guy falls out of the window and dies. I don't know if you remember that story. But, you know, well, we say, oh man, either Paul was really boring or maybe it was just really hot in the room or whatever it was. The guy's name was Eutychus. Thank you to the producer here sending me that name. Um, so the, we say, wow, even, you know, at least I'm not as boring as Paul. I've never bored someone to the point of them actually dying. Well, understand that that guy had probably been up since before the sun rose. Then he worked for 12 hours, and then he came back to church in the evening. So for them, remember, Sunday was a work day. This would be like if if we picked a day of the week, and let's say Thursday. And on Thursdays, you're going to go to a prayer meeting at 5.30 in the morning. Then you're going to go to work for 12 hours. And then in the evening, you're going to come back to church and be there probably until 10 or 11 p.m. That's what people did for for hundreds of years, because Sunday was not a day off. And uh, the reason they did that was not because that was some kind of new uh, supplanted sabbath for them the reason they did that is because that is the day of jesus's resurrection and so they chose that to be their day of gathering and then over time as christianity took root in the uh roman empire and in 380 a.d under theodosius the first not under constantine by the way um but under theodosius the first christianity became the official religion of the roman empire things began to be implemented uh where sunday then became a day off and so, um, and then Christians began to worship, uh, not really early in the morning, but around, you know, mid-morning. And so that, anyway, that's how that happened over time. Um, but it's very clear in Hebrews chapter 4 and in Colossians chapter 2, that all the okay. things in the Old Testament were pictures and shadows of Jesus, and that the substance is in Christ. So that is... Uh, a very long answer to your question, but the answer is this. It is a good thing to take a day off. Uh, if God himself took a day off, even though he didn't need to, remember, because it's not like God was tired, right? right? He just chose to take a day off. And by doing that, he's teaching us, hey, you, maybe somebody's out there and said, well, I like working and I could work, you know, seven days a week. Well, so could God, but God took a day off and he wants yeah. you to take a day off for focusing on uh, your family, focusing on your relationship with God, those two things. And uh, it's very wise to do that. Now, if you do that on a Monday, is it any less valid than if you do it on a Sunday? I don't think so. I think, I think it's just as valid. Um, right. you know, think, and, and Jesus actually talks about this. He says that you know, the priests technically break the Sabbath by working on the Sabbath. And that, that's part of his argument for why uh, the Sabbath is created for man, not man for the Sabbath. So all, all that to say, you know, think about pastors like myself. For me, Sunday's a work day, um, and, and sometimes it's a very full work day. And so what I've found is that I take another day off during the week to spend time with my family and to uh, make sure that I'm connecting with God in a, in a deep way. All that to say, I, I don't. I think that this idea of Sabbatarian Christianity is very misguided because they miss the whole principle of the Sabbath, which is that in Jesus we have rest from our labors. That the whole Sabbath was a picture pointing to Christ. Right. So. Yeah, I, I, that's totally understandable. Cool. Um, yeah. It, I was it, just. 
I was just a little confused about it because uh, my wife, being me being a new Christian, Christian, that um, she would want me to hold to the Sabbath and not not work with my hands because I, when I come home, I I have hobbies and stuff that I'll do on Saturday or and go to church on Sunday, and so it was just kind of a. So I was just wondering the point, what the point of the Sabbath truly was. So you kind of pretty much summed that up. Yeah, and you know what? I'd say, you know, your family, you need to have your own culture. So if you come to an agreement with your wife that may, that's how you're going to do uh, rest and focus on God, is that you're not even going to do your hobbies, then I'd say, hey, more power to you. But I definitely wouldn't say that it's a rule that's dictated by the Bible. Okay. So thanks, okay. Scott. Uh, I appreciate that. All right. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Let's go to Linda on line two. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the program. Hi. You're you're in Thank Atlantic you. City, New Jersey. Is that right? I live in Upper, Deer, Upper Deerfield, New Jersey, about 40 awesome. miles from Atlantic City. Awesome. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. First time I ever heard the uh, program, and uh, I shall re- you know, return to it quite often. I've been bedridden since 2003, mm. and uh, this, I, uh, the quote I would like, why do bad things happen to good people? I've tried oh. to live my whole life uh, as a good mother and uh, family member and things, and then it seems like everything fell in my lap, mm. especially when I got sick, because I can't do anything, and it's hard. It's only my daughter and myself. Because my whole family has died. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was given a ramp two days before Thanksgiving because I only get out, like, I've been out aside at least 20 times within a year and a half. And that was to go to the doctors by wheelchair or stretcher. And uh, a few weeks ago, I was given a ramp by a rehab program. And then right afterwards, we had a burglary and he stole it out of my yard. And that's why I was wondering, why do uh, bad things happen to good people? And then they sold my Christmas presents my daughter bought for me. And it's hard being uh, a young woman and taking care of her mom. She's my uh, power of attorney and my caretaker. Mm. And then you wonder. My mother always said, don't question God. He has something out there more important, she would say, than a ramp. But it's just that we've lived here for 46 years, and nothing has seemed to happen to us, like the good Lord. But now it seems like the tables is turned. Hmm. I'm really sorry to hear that, and I'm sorry that this happened around this time of the year. Uh, you know, that question of why bad things happen to, let's not just say good people, let's say why do bad things happen to people. Um, that let's Let's discuss that. You know, that's actually one of the, biggest questions that the Bible addresses. The very first book of the Bible that was written from a chronological perspective was actually written before Genesis was written down was the book of Job. And Job is exactly about that very same question. Why do bad things happen to uh, people who love God? And, 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 you know, if God loves us, why does he let bad things happen to us? And, um, and that's a question that the Bible gives us very distinct answers to, which is uh, very, 
very nice and helpful. Um, and so I would just tell you that here are a few reasons why things happen. Uh, one is that we live in a fallen and broken world. And, um, and we live in a world where the things are not the way that they should be. And I think that all of us have this sense within us, this innate sense that uh, the world is not the way it should be. Sometimes things happen and we look at those things and say that's, that might be how it is, but that's not how it should be. And we have this sense that things are not right. You know, I, I know as, as often as I've done funerals, sometimes I've done funerals for people who are, who are very uh, old or who are very sick. Maybe they live very full lives. And, you know, it's not really, it shouldn't be really that surprising when somebody uh, who is very advanced in years passes away because that is the lot of all people on this earth. And yet, no matter how many times I've done a funeral, everyone seems genuinely surprised that it happened and shocked that someone passed away. Now, why is that? I don't think that's wrong for them to feel that way. I think that's absolutely right. Because the fact is that death, wrongdoing, like you're saying, these things that happen to you, they're not normal. They're not natural. They're not the way that it should be. And the hope that the Bible gives us is that things will indeed be made right ultimately because of Jesus. He came into the world so that all that is sad will become untrue. That's a phrase from Tolkien. He said, all that is sad will become untrue because of the great king who has come in and has defeated the great enemy, uh, sin, the world, Satan. He has defeated those things. And in him, there will come a day, there will come a kingdom one day in which all things are made right. And that is what we hope in as Christians. Now, the other thing I'll tell you this is this. First um, Peter chapter 1 was written to people who were experiencing a lot of really bad things happening to them. And one of the things Peter tells them there in verse 1, or I'm sorry, verse 2 of First Peter chapter 1, is he says that these things are happening according to the foreknowledge of God. And so that is the other encouragement that we have, that even when bad things happen to us, especially as Christians, they are not happening to us outside of the sovereignty of God. But that God, although he's not the author of evil, God is able to use even bad things for good ends in our lives. He's able to use even really bad things and redeem them for good in our lives. Uh, James, for example, talks about how God can use these things in order to make us perfect. In other words, to refine us, to make us better. And, uh, and sometimes it's really hard to believe that that's the case when we're in the midst of it. But what we need to do is zoom out and get that full picture and see that, well, God allowed this to happen to me. Everything that happens to me is filtered by my Father in heaven. And therefore, I can trust that he is going to bring me through this and that he will be with me in the midst of it. And that he might even use this uh, for his, and he will use this for his good, for my good, and for his ultimate glory. Uh, let's see uh, a I note was here. Say, like my mother and my dad, they were like saints, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to follow in their footsteps. Yeah, I mean, not in their footsteps, but their way of life. And I am. I mean, I don't do anything bad, but he was like, well, they they were persecuted a long time, you know, like this, but nothing like burglaries and. So the uh, state police said, well, at least you lived. That's the uh, question mark that happened in the day, and we were home. Mm. So at least God, we're living, you know, thanks to the good Lord. It could have been worse. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and um, let me just pray for you. I'm really and here. Here's one last thought I have on this that I want you to know before I let you go, is that this is the thing that I think gives Christianity so much integrity, is that whereas some people would say, well, you know, everything really has a silver lining, or if you just look at it from a different perspective, it's it's really not bad. It's it's good. Uh, I think Christianity has the integrity to be able to say. No, some things are genuinely bad. Some things are actually bad, and they're so bad, in fact, that God himself had to come to this world and die in order to put an end to them. That's how bad, bad things really are. And so what that allows us to do is it allows us to say, these things that happen to you, Linda, are, are really, truly bad, and they're not right. But here's the good news, that there is coming a day when all injustice, all wrongdoing will be over, where the, every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. But here's the other good news. We don't just have to wait until that day comes in order to have joy in the midst of our difficulties. We can have joy even now in our relationship with God. First Peter says this incredible thing where he says, you, you are suffering, but yet you rejoice with joy unspeakable. How do we get that unspeakable joy even in the midst of our suffering? It's by holding close to the source of our joy, which is God and our relationship with him and the knowledge that one day all things will be right. So let me just pray for you, Linda. I really appreciate your call and your question. Heavenly Father, I pray for Linda and, uh, and her uh, losses that she's incurred. Lord, I do thank you that you spared her life and that she, her, she was not injured. But, uh, Lord, I thank you that she has this radio station also as, as a way to connect, uh, being that she's bedridden and, and uh, tied to her house. Lord, I, I pray that you would be with her in that house. I thank you that you watch over her, Lord. I pray that you would provide for her. And I pray that, uh, Lord, you would replace those things which were stolen. And, Lord, I do pray that, you would, um, that she would sense your presence with her in her home. And Lord, as she wrestles with these things of why did you let this happen, I pray that even that wrestling and even those asking those questions would draw her closer to you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, sir. God bless you. God bless you, Linda. Thanks for calling in. Well, I listen to your program if I can get it every day. Awesome. Keep doing that. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, we've come to the last four minutes of our show. We have one more caller. Let's go to Scott in Maryland. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Good. Um, I'm calling in regards to, um, I've been um, fighting, um, I've got a prayer request. I've been fighting an addiction for the past 33 years with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently just uh, went to um, a rehabilitation center called Ashley up here in Maryland. Uh, I had to do it twice this past year. I'm right now at day 50 of being clean and sober. And awesome. Praise the Lord. Just, yeah, I, I feel really good. I'm also definitely afraid of falling back into it. Yeah. Um, Can I ask you, Scott, do you have any support? Um, what, what support system are you involved in that's going to help you with that? Um, I've been going to meetings. I've got a good support group, and I'm looking currently looking for a sponsor. Uh, my wife and I, my wife's a great support system as well. Awesome. Um, we're actually 
getting ready to move back to Las Vegas. I know that's not the most optimal place, but I mean, it's wherever you go. Man, we I'll go tell to Calvary you, Church in Vegas. I know John some. Knapp. I know some really good churches in Las Vegas, and I'd have to mm-hmm. say that as bad of a reputation as that city can have, it is a very vibrant place. Like God is doing some really great things in the city of Las Vegas, and uh, it sounds like mm-hmm. you say you have a church there. Good. I was going to recommend one, but it sounds like you have one. Yeah, Pastor John Knapp, we, go, we went to him every weekend, and he baptized me five years ago. He's wonderful, and I love, love listening to him and listening to his teachings. I, we can't wait to get back there. I just uh, awesome. would like a prayer to keep on, my, on the path that I am. You know, I've, I need the strength to continue, and I've, I've fallen away from God since I've, I've moved to Maryland four years ago. Okay. And... I don't know why I did, but he's back in my life again, thankfully. And I don't, every morning I pray to him for his will to be done and not mine. And I've, I guess, maybe become selfish over the past few years and stopped looking at that that way, you know? So left in the show so heavenly father pray for scott i thank you lord that he is clean and sober and that he has this great support system i thank you that you're taking him back to las vegas to a good church pray for his wife and him to just have so much strength uh, as we said in, in from ephesians 6 that they might be strong in the strength of your might lord and i pray lord that you'd give him that great support system lord give him the strength to stand up under temptation when he faces it and uh lord i pray be at work continually in his life i pray in jesus name amen amen hey thank you scott and god bless you and thank god you everyone you. who uh, tuned in today for the program you've been listening to calvary live my name is pastor nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado i'll be back with you on monday for calvary live we'll see you then you've been listening to calvary live tune in next time for prayer and god's word